The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi guys, welcome to Digging Deep. I'm Dr. Sasha Shokrin, the relational doctor, but more importantly, a human just like you with a story that continues to unfold. Each of our lives is compiled of stories, and my job is to help you detangle those stories. As a psychologist, I'm here to tell you that growth is never linear and that life is full of highs, lows, and everything that exists in between. My plan is to dig deeper into the stories that will inspire us, move us, and remind us that we're never really alone. Don't miss a new episode of Digging Deep every Monday, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Ugh, I'm not in the mood. Do we have to do this? Yes. Wait, are we recording? Okay, let's go. You're listening to The Ally Colbert Show. Hello and welcome to The Allie Colbert Show. I'm your host, Allie Colbert. Thank you for joining us this week. How's everybody doing? We are at the end of July. It's already the end of July. It kind of feels loud in here because, well, you guys can't hear this, but I can. Nothing in my apartment works and I pay too much money for this place to not work. Cool. We're off to a great start. So much to talk about. Welcome to the first solo episode of the pod. Who needs, who needs those other zeros coming on the pod and talking about themselves when we all know the real reason anyone shows up here, the meat, the, is it beef and potatoes? The potato, what is it like? If it's like the main part of the meal, it's the beef and the meat, the meat and potatoes. I like to, to, to specify what the meat is. It's a pork beef blend and potatoes. Ugh, disgusting. I don't like meat blended up. That's why I don't like, I don't know, just like ground, something's disgusting about ground turkey and like when people make like meat slop, mashed up meat grilled. Anyway. Are you ready for a roller coaster inside my brain? Great. We're going to have a really fun time today. And yeah, I'm, I've been wanting to do a solo episode for so long. And as one negative reviewer wrote, I'm just too nervous. Yeah, that's why I go on stage every night alone because I'm terrified. Um, here I am. It's just me, folks. This is what we've been waiting for. Just all my fucking thoughts. I, as I said, I'm finally back from my extended vacation, which by the way, if you extend a vacation for too long, it's called a nightmare. I'm finally back. It's good to be back at home. And by the time this episode comes out, I'll actually be in Montreal. So I am at the Just for Laughs Festival. And for the first time, I, well, it's not like you can be named it multiple times, but I was named a new face, which is a big deal. Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, Montreal Comedy Festival is it's like the largest comedy festival in the world. Not to brag, not to brag, not to brag. And I have auditioned to be a new face, which is a badge of honor for a, I want to say, upcoming comedian. 
I think that's fair to say, although some people have commented in the last several years that the comedians chosen for new new faces are a little bit more established than like totally green. You know, they're not like just just starting generally, but I was chosen to be a new face which I'm super excited about and feel really, really honored. So I'm in Montreal this week performing and yeah, I'm thrilled. So I'm here with a bunch of other amazing comedians and I'm performing Wednesday, tomorrow and Friday in Montreal. And then I'm going to be in LA for a little bit and then I'll be in New York and I just keep the train moving so I don't have to feel a thing. Anyone else with me? Stop this train. I want to get off and feel anxious again. So I'm back. I um, hummus hour this week. I was watching the summer I turned pretty. Some of us don't even have a summer. The summer I turned pretty and I'm not far into the show. So disclaimer, I've only seen the first episode. But wow, do I feel like the women in the show have a lesbian energy towards one another within the first two seconds the way the friend is like i don't know the main chick's name the one that gets pretty the fucking the ugly duckling that becomes pretty and they did a good i have to say they did a good job of choosing someone who like she she becomes pretty in like a sleepy way you know because i remember i was friends with this girl in high school and she didn't kind of like slowly be like she exploded into sex appeal and that was that. Now, that's a movie. Do you know what I mean? That's a movie that can't be on Netflix. That's an HBO movie. That's like, oh, OK, you're a little girl. And then, bam, Sports Illustrated. Holy shit. Jizz everywhere. That's oftentimes what happens when a woman becomes pretty. It's not kind of this like slow burn of like, oh, let me do like a double take. By the way, listen, this girl's clearly cute. She's like 14. So I'm not going to roast her on the show. But the way that these people are staring at her, like, oh, my God, you became so pretty. Give me a break. Okay. I've seen hot girls. The summer you turned okay is what it should be called. The summer you turned fine. They're like, your tits are huge. She's like in a big T-shirt. I can't see a thing. She's probably like, like, to be clear, this woman is probably, this girl is probably like Drake's type. Needless to say, I have no interest in roasting a child on my podcast, so I'm glad I did that. The girls in this show, the way the friend talks to our main character, I forget her name. Oh, how could I forget her name? Her name is Belly. Belly. You can't turn pretty if your friends are calling you Belly. There is something so repulsive about being nicknamed Belly. Hey, Belly. Oh, God, it's like being called like stinky. I don't know. I'm just not into the the sort of the rhythm of the name, the musicality of being called belly. Anyway, the friend is like getting up in her face at the start of the episode. She's like, what do you want to do this summer? I know you want to make out with Chad. And she's like, stop. No, I don't. She's like, yeah, you do. If, if you really do, why don't you kiss me? I'm like, whoa, not actually, but the ener- energetically, they need to take the Kinsey scale test. Kinsey scale test. By the way, I saw that I didn't fully reveal my results on the Kinsey scale test. So I'm going to take it today on the podcast with you all because I know Allie McCoskey did it and I just laughed and narrated, which is homophobic. And I will be taking it today on the podcast. Needless to say, 
the friend kind of eggs her on in that classic, like, I don't think they're going to hook up in the show because I don't think that's what this show is. But I felt that energy similarly. Maybe she learned this from her mother. Her mother going to the summer house every summer with the, the blonde, white, Shiksa friend. I also feel like they're going to have sex. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm seeing the world through gay colored lenses. But this is how I'm feeling. So Hummus Hour, watch the summer I turn pretty. That's my recommendation. I will be taking the Kinsey Scale test right now for Hummus Hour. We're going to do a double Hummus Hour. Extra hummus. And then I'm going to get into a few other things. But let's start right now. It's seven questions, folks. This is not... And by the way, in and of itself, taking a quiz online is queer. Lesbians love to take quizzes online. What's your Myers-Briggs? What's your Enneagram? I get someone messaging me, what's my Enneagram? Every, if there's a test to take to put you in a box so that we can like talk about it with our girlfriends, uh, we want to take it. I think straight girls like this too. Well, straight girls love to plug their name in with another person's name online and see or whatever, their horoscope, their birthday, their star sign. Anything to outsource validation information so that we can kind of reaffirm the stories we've created in our mind. I think it's because women are so filled with doubt and so insecure that any data we can collect to kind of cobble together these lies we tell ourselves, we'll take. Men, on the other hand, a man, a man who's a total two has no problem going up to an 11 and hitting on her and thinking he has a shot. He has no clue if Mercury's in retrograde and he doesn't care. The only thing he cares about is that his dick has a chance of being in her Uranus. The other planets don't matter. Okay, someone write that down. All right, question one of seven on the Kinsey scale test. Ladies and gentlemen, it is about eight minutes into the podcast and Allie Colbert is taking the Kinsey scale test. You won't believe the results, folks. She's going to be get she's going to be straight. That's what I meant to say. To whom are you attracted? Both men and women, mostly people of the opposite sex of mine, mostly people the same sex as mine. Okay, only people of the opposite sex, only people the same. I'm going to say mostly people of the same. Because as we all know from my trip to Greece, there are times when I'm attracted to people of the opposite sex of mine. Am I embarrassed about that? Yeah, I feel embarrassed right now saying it on the podcast. And I feel that there are limits to the sexual attraction I have towards people of the opposite sex. I feel, I do feel like this attraction I have to them isn't always precisely sexual. I feel that there's, that there are elements to it that it's layered. It's layered like anything else in life. I think there's a little bit of Casey Tanner and I discussed gender jelly. I think I have this sort of like, this confusion occasionally of like I they men embody qualities that I want to embody, which we've talked about extensively on the podcast. And I also think, you know, I feel I have a I have an attraction to them that I like I would like to explore something, but I never really enjoy sex with them or like totally want to have sex with them. But maybe I'd be curious about like making out. I don't know. I don't know. For these reasons, I'm answering mostly people of the same sex as mine. Okay. Answering that. Next question. Who have you had sex with? Both men and women? Yep. Both men and women, but I prefer people of the opposite sex or mine? No. Both men and women, but I prefer people of the same sex as mine? Yeah. Needn't answer anymore. Both men and women, but I prefer people of the same sex as mine? Most definitely. Who have you had sexual fantasies about? Both men and women. 
mostly people of the opposite sex. I would say mostly people of the same sex. I definitely have fantasies, but they're mostly with women. With whom do you form strong emotional bonds? Oh God, this is another weird one because I'm always like, women are so much better. Women are so much better. And then I think about my best friends and Julian and I joke that at our wedding, I will honestly have groomsmen because I have a few best friends, you know, very close friends. And of course they're not, I mean, one of my best friends is a gay guy. His name's Max. And then I have my straight girlfriends. I'm thinking Gracie. I'm thinking Rachel. God, Megan, I would be bereft not to say Megan. And then my best straight friend, Dan. I'm naming everyone. I'm on crack right now. I have a, I mean, I have guy friends and we like hang out. Oh God, Adam. How can I not say Adam? Nathaniel. I mean, he's my brother. You know, I'm, I'm going off here, but I want to say both men and women. I'm going to say both men and women. That felt like an even split. I listed out all the wedding invites, both men and women. Okay, next question. Who do you feel the most comfortable socializing with? Damn, I mean, both men and women. But I honestly, I don't want to say mostly people of the same sex as mine because I'm attracted to them. So it doesn't make it so, if anything, it can actually be easier for me to socialize with men because I don't feel that there's anything hanging in the air. I don't feel like when I was away in Italy before Julian came on the trip and Julian, you know, she's not asleep to the fact that I'm attracted to people because I'm a human being and we don't hide that from each other because we're adults. And by the way, we have a perfect relationship and there's nothing that's ever kind of goes awry between us. But there was this woman, well, my sisters and I, we're joking. Let me start over. My sisters and I were joking that they're both straight and I'm gay. And every man on the trip was hitting on me. And I was kind of flirting with, with men on the trip. And we got curious about it. And what we said was the reason that it was, it was so easy to like connect with men in that way was because I knew there wasn't possibility there. That I'm gay. I'm in a committed queer relationship and I feel actualized in my queer identity. So I don't feel any murkiness with men. And I think to men, that makes me appealing that I'm not at all interested. And I think for me, I'm able to kind of look at them without this like sexual fantasy or at least one that feels heavy or super alive in the space. And that makes it easier to flirt with men. Does that make sense? Because I'm not even flirting. I just feel like I'm able to talk to men in a way that feels just like frank and direct. And I think that men are at times intrigued by that. And maybe some are put off by that because as Whitney Cummings says, what man wants a woman who's like comfortable in her power and like, you know, there's no category in porn. This is a Whitney Cummings joke of like CEO. Not that I give off CEO energy, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not sort of swooning and having this like doe-eyed look at like a man like, oh, I'm waiting for you to sweep me off my feet. And maybe that's something that creates an, an, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I then was at a cafe in Florence with my sisters and there was a waitress that came over and the waitress looked just like Penelope Cruz. And I was having trouble talking to her. I wasn't trying to take her home or anything like that. I just, I was immediately, I felt myself not feeling my usual 
comfort in social settings. And that only happens to me with women. I don't feel that I see a man and I'm not sure what to say. And I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think one, it's that I'm gay. And I also think it's that when you talk to men as a woman, you're very, most women are aware of their sexual power. It's not a confusing calculation that women can use their sexuality and their sex as a way to allure a man. It's clear. It's like black and white. Whereas women are complicated and it's almost like you need arithmetic to understand what will turn them on. And it's all so different for everyone. Whereas a man, it's the people that are, show your tits, show your tits. Don't look at him and show your tits. You know, so I think there's this level of mystery with women that I that can be anxiety producing. And I think it's why you hear a lot of like bisexual women or newly gay women. They go on dates with women and they're like, I don't know how to act like I. And Julian often says this when we talk about it. She's like, I nailed dating with men. (laughs) No pun intended. She's like, I understood it. I understood the equation. I knew how to go out. I knew what made them want me. And I knew what I could like create. But with women, you don't always know what to expect. Anyway, I go out with this woman or I'm out and I see this woman. I don't go out with this woman. Don't worry, Julianne. And yeah, I was like tongue tied, you know. So needless to say, question five on the Kinsey scale. Who do I feel most comfortable socializing with? (laughs) I'm going to say both men and women. Okay. The idea of having sex with someone of the opposite sex from mine is interesting, desirable, tolerable, negative, or disgusting. Desirable, interesting, tolerable, negative, disgusting. It's definitely not desirable. It's interesting if they're hot, tolerable otherwise. I would say it's interesting. The idea of having sex with someone of the same sex as mine is definitely desirable. Okay, I finished the test. If this says I'm I'm bisexual, I'm going to flip out. Okay, here, great. Thank God I'm not bisexual. I'm homosexual with more than incidental heterosexual tendencies. What does that mean? It means I'm gay, folks. It means I'm gay and that once in a while, I think a guy's hot. So basically I nailed it. But I wonder, what does it really mean to have an incidental like heterosexual tendency? I guess it's just saying that like, you know, it's I, I, I might be liable to, to, it might be liable to happen as a consequence of me living in the world, but don't expect it. It could accompany something, but it accompanies something sort of as a, as a, subsidiary, as a subsidiary. It's a subordinate character. I'm just like thesaurusing the word incidental on the pod. Okay, that's my understanding of that. We nailed it. We nailed it. I'm gay. A few things going on this week. On my Schittler's list, I don't hate it, but I'm not happy about it. Chelsea Handler and Joe Coy ended their relationship, and I got a lot of thoughts about it. I... I'm, sh- I'm surprised, honestly. And like, I try not to be surprised when celebrity couples break up because celebrity couples break up like it rains, which is a beautiful metaphor that I stole from Shakespeare. But Chelsea was so outspoken about her relationship with Joe Coy. And obviously, we've never seen Chelsea speak publicly in that way about love, which I was over the moon for her. Their connection felt authentic and wonderful. And I've, I've met Joe and he's fucking amazing. He probably doesn't remember meeting me, but he's just the sweetest. I've never met Chelsea. I've heard interesting things about her. 
but I'm a huge fan of Chelsea. I mean, huge fucking fan. And I'm surprised. Chelsea talked about, you know, how Joe was this new love for her that redefined the way she was in relationship. And it's no surprise to me that this love happened after she put out that special. I want to say it was called Evolution. Let me look that up. It was called, yeah, Evolution. And it was so clear to me in that special, all of the work she's done on herself and around like where this like defense mechanism of being a bitch comes from. And in some ways, I really connect to that. However, most of my friends and peers and people I've worked with, I think would say that I'm not a bitch, even though if anything, I'm kind of like a bitch on stage. But then in my personal life, I'm really like loving and overly sensitive and compassionate. But I do I do resonate with this like kind of defense mechanism of having this edge. And I'm not surprised that in doing all of this work on herself, she invited this love with Joe into her life, this love that was huge and magnificent and all of these things. The only thing I think is that when you post like that, when you post so publicly, and like, I guess life is life, things happen. Like just the idea that it would just in less than a year go away and comedians are so self-aware and so particular and so attuned to how people perceive them. I'm just surprised that she went so hard on social and like something went wrong. And I listened to, and I know that sounds, that probably sounds naive, but I listened to her, her episode on Glennon Doyle and Abby's podcast today. Um, and I think it was called Breaking Up and Being Unbreakable. And I was really excited to kind of like hear really what, what happened there. And not super surprisingly, she didn't share the specifics of what unfolded in her relationship with Joe. But there were a few moments that stood out to me. One was that she said the loud out. And she, by the way, she was she was obviously so respectful towards him and loving. And I'm not her fucking PR person. So I don't know why I'm disclaiming everything. But she said that the way she spoke outwardly about Joe on social media was something she felt he needed. And it was a very small comment, but it stayed with me because it sounded like something about the way she spoke was in service of something for him. And that surprised me because how I experienced all of her posts was that it was all coming from this overflowing, this abundance of love she had for him and that it had nothing to do with something that was appeasing any need or, or satisfying any desire of his. And maybe that's just a part of it, but that stood with me where I was like, oh, I'm, that stayed with me where I was like, I'm not clear what the intention of those posts were if they were for him. That felt weird. Like when I post on my social media about Julian, I'm never posting to please Julian. I'm posting because I feel inspired to share Jules. And I think I've been, I was in a relationship once years ago where my partner wanted me to post them. And I never did that because that felt just not authentic. I was like, I don't. And I think it comes from, at least in that relationship, the partner, my partner wanted me to post them because of like a scarcity feeling that they had about, can you, can you validate me in this way? Can you prove something in this way? And that's, it just doesn't work. I don't know. I'm thinking about that. I would love your thoughts on, on, the interview she had with Glennon Doyle and Abby. I thought it was a great interview, except for the fact that I want more, but you know, we're not going to get more. And then she also said, she made one other comment. She said that there's only so many ways you can kind of 
twist and turn and compromise for your partner. And it becomes clear in the interview that she broke up with Joe. That's, that's what I deduced, that she broke up with Joe and that there was some line that she wasn't willing to cross in terms of staying in integrity and not just not giving up some part of herself. I don't know what that was, you know. Julian and I were talking about on the phone this morning. Julian said maybe Joe wanted to be open, you know. Like, I don't think that's the case, but it's like an interesting example of something where like it's not necessarily the dynamic that they have, but maybe there was some vision he had for a long-term relationship that she didn't share. Do I think that was it? I don't really see that for them. I don't see Chelsea as someone who could handle being in an open relationship. And I don't think it was like a kid that, I don't know what it was, but that was an interesting like way of considering that it wasn't exactly, it wasn't exactly the mechanics and the emotional like interplay between the two, but the vision they had for the future. I don't fucking know. I also think she's someone who, I imagine she's pretty set in her ways. And yeah, I have, I have no idea how he is in, in relationships. So this is fun just to listen to me. Just guessing. Just guessing. I, I also kind of think it's funny that Glennon Doyle and Abby and Chelsea are sitting around. Like, And by the way, I, this is a joke. Eh, this is a comedian's podcast. But that they're sitting around kind of like Sigmund Freud guessing about all this shit. And look, I know I'm not a therapist, but I have been in therapy since second fucking grade because I was a nightmare. And in terms of work I've done in myself, I feel that I've done a significant amount of work on myself. Whereas Glennon Doyle, love you to death, Glennon. You literally were like a Christian missionary for 20 years and so repressed you didn't understand that you were in love with Abby, became in love with her and then essentially love bombed her and have been posting about it on social media and are now like guiding Chelsea who's been like one year into therapy about her relationship. Obviously, I'm fucking around, but like maybe the three of you should just like go think about things for six years and then come back. I'm kidding. I actually love all of them and would die for all of them to be on the podcast. But what can I say? What can I say? What can I say? I'm curious. I'm curious what happened. I didn't know they were living together. Breakups are fucking hard. I think relationships are just really fucking hard. And I think separately, Chelsea, I don't know. I'm just, I just think she's well-spoken and well-read and I love listening to her. And uh, she said something about being in love with herself on the podcast versus loving herself. And I also clicked with that. Like being in love with this like performative showcased version that you like curate and also just like actually nurturing yourself and being there for you and mothering yourself. And what a fun episode, Colbert. A lot to say there. Ben and J-Lo. The other really cool thing about Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez is that Roe v. Wade was overturned. So there are a couple that I don't really care about, which is why I'm going to spend time talking about them. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez got married over the weekend. And this, I think, was Jennifer Lopez's I think Jennifer Lopez is actually the real life day Evelyn Hugo. I think this was her 15th marriage. And in two years from now, she will be married to another backup singer. They got married at a drive-thru in Vegas, which seems to be the move since Kravis. So that's what Julian and I will will be doing. I'm happy for them. I like the idea of there's something obviously like about them coming together after 20 years or however long they were apart. That's like, whoa, was something always there? Did did they did it just stay like under the surface and then they like well why'd they break up the first time? 
They weren't ready. Timing wasn't right. And then they got back together. I don't know. I don't fucking know. But I want to know. Speaking of celebrity romances, I was reading the Natalie Portman and Jonathan Saffron Fowler emails over the weekend, which you ever have something that's either like a book or uh, a short, something small that like you consider art that you like return to every seven months. That's how I feel about the Natalie Portman and Jonathan Saffron Fowler emails where it's just like Amanda Hirsch does an amazing thing on her story. She's like just like a reminder that this happened. That's more so actually what this is in the vein of that I'm just like every little once in a while I remember that it happened and I think about it. And these emails, they have these like very pretentious but like interesting emails that they like wrote back and forth and you can tell that they're kind of flirting and then Jonathan Saffron Fowler ended his marriage with his wife because he said he was in love with a Hollywood actress. But they say some interesting things about Judaism and Israel and Shabbat and as a Jew, as a Jew, I need to flag that on the podcast. It's interesting because hummus hour as a term can, can be both lesbian and both Jewish. You know, because hummus is for lesbians just as much as it is for Jews, which is something that I like to remember. Julian and I, when we were flying back from Lisbon last week, our seats weren't together, which uh, for a lesbian, that's almost impossible to tolerate. So Julian and I, immediately we got on the plane. She's actually, her seat is behind mine and I'm in front of hers. So the best we can do is I can stick my hand behind the window and we can hold hands the entire flight like gays. And we're like, we need to configure everything. We need to talk to people on this plane. We need to bribe people so that we can sit next to each other. So people come in my row. I'm like, oh shit, who do I have to ask? People go in her row. We're thinking we both have window seats. So we have some leverage. If we had middles, there'd be no game, right? We can, you can trade, you can trade a window, you can trade an aisle, you got a middle, you know, it's like having like a shitty hand in poker. I can trade my window. These people come in the row. I'm like, excuse me. I see that there's a row in the back that's free. I'm like, Julian, let's head to the row in the back. I'm like, uh, excuse me. I'm going to head to the row in the back. The woman gets up next to me. She's like, oh, she's like mumbling to her husband who's sitting in the aisle. She's sitting in the middle. She's like a little complicated, really? Like you need, to, I'm making her German because, because of the Holocaust. But no, I'm, she's like a little complicated, really? I'm like, oh, really? This is complicated. Me asking you to just stand up for one second so I could sit next to my wife is complicated, huh? You know what was complicated? It was complicated for me as a 10-year-old realizing I was in love with 40-year-old women that worked at my school. That was a little complicated. That had layers, okay? This is nothing. You standing up and scooching your fat fucking ass into the aisle so I could sit next to the girl that I want to finger is not complicated. That's not complicated. Move. Anyway, I make a whole, and I'm like, I like say something kind of snarky, but like I'm, I'm, I'm able to kind of ride the line of snarky and nice. I'm always, I'm, that's really my superpower. Like I'm like, oh, it's, I, I'm like, oh, it's complicated? so sorry it's complicated for you it seems pretty easy for me that doesn't sound nice but I said something that got off fine and then I head to the back of the plane I'm sitting next to Julian and then fuck the stupid ass European planes start loading people from the back we weren't done fucking loading the aircraft and immediately I'm like shit 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 there's gonna be more people this row's not empty and I'm gonna have to like a dog with my tail between my legs go back to my stupid fucking row and now make nice with my enemies 
Jesus, this sucks. People start coming on the plane. I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Julian's like, why are you freaking out? Because I, I have no problem. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I make snarky comments. But then if I have to go back and face them again, I have to like get them to like me. I have to be a people pleaser. So I'm like, Jules, if we have to get up, these people start coming in. I'm like having a heart attack. My head's down. You take my row. I take your row. I want to, I want to clean slate with my row. So she's happy to do that. And we go back. The people are like rolling their eyes. They're like speaking in some other language about how we should be exterminated. But it was terrible. It's very humiliating for me. I wrote, I was on so many planes in the last month. I wish I could say it was going to be over, but it's not going to be over. That's probably the most taxing part about any job that's like, eh, whatever, I don't need to say this shit about complaining about being a comedian. But um, it was a lot. It was a lot of travel and a lot of layovers. And I'm happy to be, I don't know, have less of it. I got an email I wanted to read with you guys. and. That's it. That's it. Emails. Let's do emails. Hi, Allie. So I figured since you always complain that you never get listener emails and interaction, I figured I'd reach out and ask for some advice. Trust me, you don't want to repost on my Instagram. I have 200 followers and 10 are my family members. Incorrect. I want the repost. 200 followers are 200 people. I want the repost. Anyway, I had any ways, she writes. By the way, it's any way. It's not any ways. Anyway, I had an amazing relationship with a female about a year ago and I had never dated a girl before or even thought about it. It ended horribly. Classic. Now I'm in a relationship with a straight white male. I know. And it's great. And the sex is good sometimes. And he's so nice and understanding and calm. But I find myself somewhat bored. Plus, I can't stop thinking about a girl in my running club. Anyway, I'm scared to break up with this guy because he's everything I should be content with. You are not content. So it's everything you should be content with if we were living in the 1920s. We're not. It's 2022. You're allowed to have sex with women. You're bored by him. He's not right for you. Break up with him. You know it. Don't resist the truth, even when it's painful. Easier said than done. Please spare yourself. Don't waste time. We have one life. Don't waste time. And if you are really comfortable with him and like him, even though it sounds like you don't, tell him you want to see other people while you're with him and he can tolerate that. Everyone loves to put other people's feelings above their own because they feel like they're being a good person or they're telling them themselves they're preserving someone's feelings, but they're just completely crushing their own souls. You're not a hero for doing that. Don't do it. Break up, please. Next email. Hey, Allie. So I've kind of had this obsessive crush on my manager for almost a year now to the point I would fantasize about them and what they were like outside of work. She's extremely chill and I never really knew what her sexuality was, but I always felt like she was at least bi. She would flirt with me and we've had this back and forth type of flirting ever since we met. I never got extremely close to her up until recently because she's quitting soon. We went out to a bar finally with a few other people and turns out she's straight as an arrow. Okay. She was talking about this guy she's been hooking up with for a while, which was actually so traumatizing. And I literally feel like a fool for even thinking she liked me. I wouldn't say I'm heartbroken, but I did love the idea of her. But like, I just really wanted to hook up with her. And now that dream is gone forever. It felt like the type of crush where I was sure something was going to happen. And for it not to be anything like I thought at all, it's just so disappointing I identify as bi, by the way, but a lot of people assume I'm straight. She's also the first girl crush I've had in a long time with exhaustion. Okay, here's what I think about that. I've actually been out with women where we've talked about men we liked and we fucked up. So I'm not saying keep obsessing over this person. And it does sound like this is not an option right now. But keep her in the roster. And 
Something that I found endears straight women or straight seeming women or women that think they're straight to women that are queer or more open to exploring their sexuality is you expressing confidence in exploring your sexuality. It kind of gives permission for other people who are maybe not open to exploring to like start to like play around with the idea. But I know that feeling of just desperately wanting to hook up with someone and then that it's just not going to happen. And the best thing to do is just get a new crush. And it might take time, but you'll find one. There's an abundance of hot women for you to fawn over. And you'll get one and you'll hook up with one and you'll fucking high five yourself and you'll get over it. But I know that feeling. If you can stop stalking them on social, it helps. It really like your brain gets so fucked up by stalking your exes on social. I mean, I'm I'm being I stalk everyone on social. But if you really need to get over someone, creating like three days of emotional space is fucking great. It's like if you eat like shit for two, two weeks and then you just eat healthy for three days, you're less bloated. Just stay away from her profile for three days. It's like doing a fucking detox or a fucking emotional cleanse. That's it. That's the fucking episode. Did I have anything else I wanted to say? I don't think so. I feel like I covered so much, but you know what would mean a lot to me is if you liked the solo episode, I really want to know because you know, I say post and I say like comment and share. And by all means, like if you like the solo episode, feel free to message me because I I do want to read if you enjoyed it. Posting is better because it gets the word out more. And I want this podcast to be as big and connected as possible. But I do want to know like if the solo episodes are something that you want me to continue because I like doing them, but I want to know how this lands with you. I was talking a while ago about starting a Facebook group for the podcast where everyone can talk and we can have like a dialogue. And I know some shows do that. And I know some shows do that on Patreon. I tried Patreon for a minute and then felt like I wanted to just grow this, this space first, but I'm still thinking about that too. And, you know, at least when I'm performing stand up, I hear you guys laughing, you know, and I like get us, I can feel the connection in the room, but the delayed like release of this is not something that as a standup I'm used to. So any feedback helps, except if it's negative, then I don't want to hear it. Thank you for listening. It means the absolute world. It really does. I love you guys. The podcast has grown so much this past year. It's been a little over a year since I launched the show and we're cooking. We're cooking cooking with gas. It's just a great community. Like I love hearing from you guys and I'm like so proud of how big it's gotten and it still has room to grow, like plenty of fucking room. So keep sharing it and telling your friends and posting, but it just makes me so happy. And that's all folks. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. 